The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. How you doing? Right? Oh my God, are we packed again? And the content. As I told you before, the National Football League is now the king of water cooler talk as we get ready for the upcoming college and pro football seasons. We got you covered right here on the National Football Show. Wall to wall, man. I mean, you know, usually in... The past, you know, you'd have a little, you know what they call that downtime? You know, no news going on. <clears throat> no way. Thank here. I, may, may I say a prayer as we kick off the show here today? God, thank you for Tom Brady and God, thank you for Aaron Rodgers and the gift that just keeps on giving. I just want to thank you so much. And, you know, the greatness that is Tim Tebow. I, I just want you to know that I really, really have to tell you thank you. And I really appreciate the fact that you just give me massive content each and every single day. Amen. God bless you. And God bless the National Football Show here on Jacob Media Channel. Thank you so much. Simple as that, right? Holy cow, these guys. They're the gift that keeps on giving, dude. It's great. It's, 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 it's. Every time I get up in the morning, there's something new in this Rogers saga here. So, but you know, before I get going, um, I, I I do want to hit on something, and I saw this last night, and it was at the Sixers game. Fans throwing popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Fans in the stands. Fans at arenas. Fans. At football games. Now, look, it's a little more difficult at a football game when we're talking about, you know, fans being able to get to the players. There's a little bit more distance. You know, when you're at an NBA game or you're at an NHL game, you're right there on top of the players. So it's a little bit more, you know, accessible for fans to be able to reach out or spit out like we saw at MSG at Trey Young. One of the Knicks fans spit at him and you saw it last night. There's no question here. Let me just put it here. I get the passion of the fans. I get it. I really do. I, I understand it. However, on the back of that ticket or on the front of that ticket, it does not say you can be a toolbox. It does not give you the right to sit there and do anything. Some of you would say this, Dan, it was popcorn. That's not the point. When you're an athlete like that and you're preparing yourself to get into a conflict with somebody and you're trying to win a championship, you think you're sitting around with choir boys? People that like are in a debate class? You're not, man. You're talking about high-energy guys, highly motivated guys, and guys that are going to go out there and do whatever it takes to win a game. 
You know, you're all charged up, man. You're, you're like being plugged into a socket, and you're ready to get out there and kick someone's ass. You think you could just flip that off when someone does anything to you? The majority of these guys that I know, I, I, here, quick story. While I'm with the Cowboys, there's a guy sitting next to me. His name is Crawford Curry. He's one of my dear friends. Played offensive guard. This young kid that was drafted had no idea what and how Crawford Kerr acted. We're in a team meeting, and this guy, he starts flipping his pen. I looked over at it, something that you would never even imagine, something that you probably did to your classmate next to you. He's kind of like messing around with his pen. Crawford Kerr got up and knocked him out. Guy goes, Jesus Christ. I go, hey, man, some of these people are going to go dark on you. <laughs> you better know the room. You start messing around with certain people. Some people can tolerate it. Some can't, and some won't. Because they look at that as crossing the line. They look at it like, here's my space, here's your space. You see in society today what's happened? You know, we've kind of like closed that gap in everybody's space. And everybody gets in everybody's grill. You know, these protesters that go out and you're sitting around having lunch and somebody gets in your face? We used to have, back in the day, a little space there. Now people think they can kind of, you know, jump in that space. Not me either, man. I got a fine line over here, okay? I got an equator line. Don't cross it or I'll go dark on you too. You're good over there. You can say anything you want to me. You start throwing things, spitting at me, we're going to have a problem. That's why, hey, some of you may take this wrong when I say this. You know when Ron Artest went into the stands and beat the piss out of that guy, the malice at the palace? I had no problem with it. You're throwing beer at me? You're talking crap on me? You're saying all those things to me like that? I'd have a major conflict with you. But because the media is a bunch of snowflakes, what they'll do is they'll villainize the player, turn him into a jackass, and the media, because, you know, they're on that side of the aisle over there today. Look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is talking about Boston being a racist town. And then all of a sudden, all the media people at the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald now are hiding under their desk going, oh, my God, I hope nothing happens to him. How about the fact he insulted an entire community? You imagine rolling into Philly or Pittsburgh like that, saying that? Hey, your fans are racist. Dude, you'd have a problem. You would have a serious problem if that guy rolled in, let alone the fact he thinks the world's flat. Kyrie Irving thinks the world's flat. No, that's your head, guy. Your head's flat. You don't have a right to cross that line. It does not say anywhere on that ticket, okay? You don't really see that that much at NFL games. Now, are things said? Who cares what some dude in the stands is saying about you and calling you out, calling some name? It's, it's dumb. Who cares? As long as you don't do anything or throw anything at me, I'm good. And like I said, there's a part of me that will always do this. Look, hey, you know, we've been kind of cooped up for the last, like, you know, year and a half. So I get it. You know, you get a chance to get out. And, and, and I know some of you out there going, it's popcorn. It's not the point. It's you crossing that fine line with respect. Dude, I'm limping off the court. I'm hurt. Or I'm limping off the field. I'm hurt. Don't throw anything at me. We don't need it, man. It's a football game. 
It's a basketball. It's a hockey game, baseball, whatever. Because hands will be thrown with these dudes. There's, there are so many people in that profession that I know that will completely go dark on you. If you do anything that they think that is in the line of being disrespected, it just ain't going to work. That's not how people work in that when you're those high profile guys. All right, let's jump into this sandbox here now. Are you guys looking at what's going on here with this, the match? Stupid golf. But now we got kind of like an angry golf match. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, DeChambeau. And on the outlier of it, you got my favorite golfer of all time because he just can't stand DeChambeau. You got Bruce, uh, Brooks Kepka. I love this guy. I, I, one of the greatest clips I've ever seen in golf history is not Tiger Woods on 16 at the Masters. It's Kepka just completely just getting sick to his stomach watching DeChambeau walk by him. It was so awesome. My God, does golf need that? And now you got Brady and Rodgers kind of ping-ponging back and forth in this match that's coming up. Dude, I love this. And where I'm going with it, man, I really love this new Tom Brady. I do. Having fun on social media, throwing digs at Aaron Rodgers. Now, look, do I think both these guys have, like, social media people that – are helping them put all these mimes together and all these video clips. And is there a team around it? Absolutely. Brady has turned into like this, like, you know, since Trump has left Twitter, Brady's kind of like picked up for it, but it's fun. There's no harm in this. It's fun ribbing. I think it's brilliant. I think it's great. I, I'm falling in love with what they're doing. And get this, it's golf. The most boring guys and nerds on the planet are golfers. Hey, you know, you know, I was sitting here on 17 and I had to like activate my glutes. Activate my glutes? You mean your ass, Tiger? No, my glutes, you know, my gluteus maximuses. I had to look that up. <laughs> I was like, what, what was that muscle that he had to activate? Gluteus Maximus? Oh, I thought that was the guy that was in Gladiator. <laughs> so I'm going like, what is this? Yes, you know, um, I'm on 17, you know, and the angle of the putt was coming down at a 33-degree angle. I'm like, wow, man, <laughs> I just put my hands on some dude and just ripped his face mask off. I'm glad it was so simple for me, man. I'm a very simple person, right? Burgers and beers, that's all. I'm. You know, I'm that guy. I'm not really cake bread Merlot. I think that's for my boy Krause and all them guys. But for me, I'm a beer and, you know, I'm a Corona guy and a beer and a brat. I'm all right, you know? No, man. You know, no. no. And these golfers are like, yes, at my uh, wine, it's placing up in Napa Valley, you know? You know when the um, sun hits the western side, it makes the grapes. I'm like, grapes? <laughs> I got knocked out on a football field. I remember telling my trainer. Hey, man, I like, I like grapes in my salad. That's all I remember saying anything about grapes. Yeah, I like grapes in my salad. What are you talking about? I don't know. Oh, some hit, man. <laughs> grapes in my salad. Right. You see grapes in my salad? Big Sills is dead. <laughs> I'm in a different world. Grapes in my salad. Yeah, all right. I love this guy, man. I love what they're doing. I think, you know, Brady getting away from New England, 
You know, I wonder what Patriot fans looking at this as too. Look at us here, man. You're going like this. Man, I wish Tom was that cool around us. Maybe it was the environment in Boston too, that you couldn't be that way. How many times did Tom Brady get attacked by the Boston Herald or the Boston Globe? Time to replace this guy. That media up there is like anti-team friendly, anti-player. Why do you think Bill Russell never goes back to Boston? It's not so much the people in the area. It's the media, the way they covered them. That media up there is not team friendly. They're always ripping on the team, and you'll never see anything like what you had up there. Now get this. Now you're sitting around with a 7-9 and nine team. Good luck to you. And you're praying Mac Jones is good. Okay. I'll catch you in five years when you're relevant again. <laughs> I mean, right. How about this? You want to hear something? The Jacksonville Jaguars are more relevant today than the New England Patriots are today. I talk more about the Jags, which I will today again. Holy cow, I talk more Jaguar football than any other time in my freaking life. I mean, it's it's like, it's, it's May 27th. I'm talking, as we're getting close to training camp, I'm talking about the Jaguars. Holy cow. They're 10 times more relevant. The Buccaneers are relevant. Uh, won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's right. TB12s are. <laughs> they hated Brady. Brady's like this now, having a fun time. Look at the two guys that are having a blast. Aaron Rodgers is in Hawaii with his new chick, and Brady's sitting down with Giselle in Tampa going, my ties. I done. Super Bowl, number seven. Now I'm going for number eight. <laughs> oh, man. When I grow up one day and I get mature, which may never be, I want to be Tom Brady when I grow up. Let's just take a look at that. Seven Super Bowl trophies and the most important trophy, Giselle. Got a great family. You're revered. Um, you have everything in front of you. You make $80 million a year and your net worth is $600 million between you and Giselle. Yeah, I want to be him when I grow up one day. That's the guy I want to be. All right, let's move on. So there was a lot of play yesterday with a comment that Alex Smith, the former Washington team thing, guys, whatever you call that thing in D.C., made yesterday when it came to how Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs informed him at all times, kept him updated all the time when it came to how they were going to go after a quarterback in the draft. Now, I found out a little bit more. Kansas City didn't really know it was going to be Patrick Mahomes. They kind of assumed it would be him down at that area where they ended up trading up to get him. And when it became more evident, they were constantly in contact with Alex saying, we're going to take him. Just want you to know. And you know what? Like I said yesterday, I'll say it again today. It's not so much that they're trying to get your blessing. It's just keeping you informed. You know what that's called? It's called respect. We love that you're going out playing your ass off. And by the way, putting your body on the line. And for Alex Smith, we saw that that's what could happen when you go into any NFL game. You could put your body on the line at any time, and it could be destroyed at any time. We respect you and thank you. And this is our thanks. Hey, we're taking a quarterback. That's not disrespectful. Informing him what you're going to do covers that. 
That's why when Mahomes got to Kansas City, nobody was pissed off at Patrick. There was a divide in the locker room. Alex Smith probably threw his arms around the kid. Come over here, man. I'll help you out. There was never, and if you ever hear Patrick Mahomes talking about Alex Smith, how many times does he always say, Alex Smith was just phenomenal with me? I just love being around him, man. He helped me so much become a pro, showed me what it was about to be a pro. And when you're in Green Bay, you know how Aaron Rodgers found out? Aaron Rodgers found out by some hack on a blog, blogging out that, hey, they're going to draft Jordan Love. What do you think, Aaron? Wow, interesting. Remember, it kind of took him for a loop, and you were like, it took him a little bit of time before he ended up really embracing and understanding the moment. He didn't embrace the move. He embraced the moment because he had to because you don't want to come off like, why? And Aaron Rodgers has basically come out since when he was on with Kenny Mayne a couple days ago. He said it had nothing to do with Jordan Love. I actually love the kid. You know what? The Packers could have made that better. Why? And, and, and know this. Think about this for a second. Your own personal F-up. With how you dealt with Favre, didn't you learn a lesson through that whole nightmare of a, of a relationship? Did you not learn that? No, you obviously didn't. Man, the Packers urinate all over themselves when it comes to dealing with people. They're poor business people. No, no, no. I'll take that back. They're great business people. They're poor people, people persons. That's who they... They're poor at dealing with people. They're not very good at conversation and communicating. Because like I said, these guys still have like a MySpace account. <laughs> okay? They're one of those dudes. You know the old AOL CD-ROM? That's what they're doing when they're putting their files in. Hey, do we still have to pay $22 for that? You know, They're so far back in the old ways of doing things and the old school of doing business in the NFL I can't think it's because it's Green Bay to market 287. Jesus, criminy, man. Somebody go up there and tell them, you know, there is internet now. <laughs> you know, we, a, a uh, Mark Murphy, president of the Packers, we have internet now. There's cell phones. There's a thing called email. You can type it out and actually send it. Hey, Aaron. Simple. You could have communicated any way, but they couldn't do it. Oh, email? What is that? <laughs> Dude, these guys still deliver messages, I guess, Harrier Pigeon. I mean, because they're not in the now. I mean, they still think Bart Starr is like on the team or something. Hoss, 90% of your fan base don't even know who Bart Starr is. Okay, Bart who? Isn't that the guy on The Simpsons? Oh, Bart Starr. Yeah, okay, sure, quarterback back in the day, right? When you drove a horse to work. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, I remember they didn't have face masks on helmets. Oh, yeah, that dude. Jesus, criminy, man. Do a better job at communicating. You know, might help you out with your quarterback. And the quarterback is even sending tea leaves out to you, telling you it's got nothing to do with anything except just how you do business. You know what that's code for? How you treat people. That's all that is, is how you treat people. Not cool. All right.
Another thing. Let's go into this one. I just saw this. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I told you this the other day, my failures as an NFL football player. Let me show you failure. At the beginning of a kid's career, that could derail it immediately. You could go back to any one of my shows that I talked to you about with this. I got to the NFL. I didn't know my playbook. I didn't know how to act like a professional around my teammates. You know what I heard echoed today? Tua Tuka Viola saying the same things. You know, I really didn't know the plays and I didn't feel comfortable with the playbook. You know, I, I, I wasn't really communicating with my teammates well. That's on you, kid. That's on you. Like it was on me. When I heard those words, that's why you'll see no other show that talks football that will come from a place of failure. You see, some of the shows that have like big time superstars on it, I was supposed to be that. But I was my own worst enemy. I tell people my greatest asset is my passion. My worst asset at times can be also my passion. I, I, and I come from a place of spotting failure. And I heard Tua say the same things. Do you know what happens when you get in that place in your mind? You hate the game. You hate the game that you love so much. Because it's not fun anymore. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to act. Nobody's helping you. From what I understand, Ryan Fitzpatrick tried to do everything he possibly could to help the kid. But the kid just didn't want to embrace it. Thought he knew more. Huh. I'll help you out on that one too. Absolutely. I found myself in the middle of an NFL season, my rookie year going, I wish I was cut. Oh, still to this day, me saying that. I look myself in the face every single day in the mirror and I go, how the F did I ever allow myself to get there? Because of my mental weakness. There's no question. Tua didn't enjoy him. You think Tua enjoyed getting cut and benched in front of everybody when everybody else like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are having a good time with their teams, their teams are embracing him. Media is saying great things. You know what people are saying about Tua? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I heard those comments today, and I went like this. Kid, you better write the ship fast. Because you know why? Aaron Rodgers' name and Deshaun Watson's name are out there. And Chris Greer, the GM of the Dolphins, is a deal maker, dude. And if he keeps watching this guy go up and down like a buoy, and he keeps seeing that inconsistency, and not only the kids play, but in his mental state, 
He's going to blow that kid's ass out of Miami faster than he got there. All right. Guy said something about wanting to stay with one team for the rest of his life. We'll tell you who that is next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. Planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio here as we get ready for Memorial Day weekend. All good, man. This weekend, I can't wait to get out on the beach. I hope you and your family have a spectacular time as well. No mass too, man. No way this weekend. Not happening. You know, going to have a fun time and be outside enjoying ourselves. I can't wait for all to have that. And by the way, too, great sports going on. Are you watching these NHL hockey games, too? I'm watching them all last night. Watch the Lightning take care of the Panthers. By the way, that was great to see 19,000 in that arena down at the BB&T in Sunrise, Florida. That was awesome seeing that. Bolts move on now. Watching some of these other series, too. How about the way Minnesota's playing against the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights? One of the best pregame shows in the history of sports, is there in Vegas with that Golden Knights. Baseball going on. 
Hey, Memorial Day weekend in baseball and, of course, our sport, football, and all the conversation that we're having. Hey, man, good stuff coming up. By the way, one of my friends from Fox Sports will be with us, and he's one of their senior analysts. Our friend Rob Parker will join us. We'll get his thoughts on all the things going on in the NFL. And my NFL insider, he is a pro football Hall of Fame voter. He is a senior writer with Sports Illustrated. We will talk with our friend. And he also wrote this book that he sent me on John Elway. And all signs sealed and delivered inside. We've been friends a long time. He wrote this book here, A Relentless Life. And he is our friend, Jason Cole. We'll talk with him as we will a lot because he's one of the guys I trust because he's so plugged in. Had a great conversation the other day with Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. So we'll talk with him. That'll be in hour number two. All right. Let me go on to this. I, you know, it's it, it's really great to hear a player say that they would like to stay in one place and in one building for the rest of their career. But that is so highly unlikely today because of player movement, salary caps, everything that teams have to deal with in the National Football League, right? I mean, we just got a new cap number. You know, and by the way, I was really glad Steve Tra Steve Tasker gave us um, the cap number that was going to be implemented in 2022. You know, this is the fastest and earliest I have ever seen, okay, um, a salary cap number put out there this early. I guess what they're trying to do is set up free agency and they're trying to compensate on what happened in 2020 because of COVID-19, you know, and how they – lost 20% of their revenue because of attendance, because of merchandise not being sold, lost a boatload of money last year, and that's why that cap went down to 182. Well, it's going to go up to 208. We'll talk about the significance of that, but I thought it was really interesting because that number being put out there sets up free agency this year, and these capologist guys can kind of project a little bit more. You understand that most teams right now, Howie Roseman or Kevin Colbert in Pittsburgh, um, any of these guys right now, they're not just looking today. They're looking three years out from now on how the salary cap is going to look. Are they going to be able to make movement in three years? How are, you never want to, you never want your cap escalating in three years. That's why when June one comes, and that's why these trigger dates are on the NFL calendar, so that they can jettison guys, and so that they can get relief for that cap in three years. Next year, it's going to be two oh eight two. That's good because it'll be up from 208 or 182 today. So that's a significant jump. It kind of and then in 2023, I'm suggesting that that thing could be that thing could be around 216. That would be incredible money. And it's going to have to get there because especially teams like Dallas that have 42 million dollars in one player, 20 in a running back, and another 20 million dollars in a wide receiver you're going to have to really start manipulating and start deferring a lot of that money out with this new collective bargaining agreement. We'll get to all that. Hope I'm not throwing you in the weeds on that stuff because it can be complicated and I'm not a complicated dude, nor is my show. Anyway, I was really glad to hear Lamar Jackson say he wants to be a Raven for the rest of his career. Now, do the Ravens want him to be a Raven for the rest of his career. Let's look at the plus minuses. If you are a football fan and you're a Raven fan, 
Is he one of the most polarizing guys in the sport today? Check. Yes. If you want to buy a ticket to watch somebody play, is he one of your guys? Yes. Is he a good team leader? Absolutely. Is he a good Is he a good face of your franchise? Absolutely. I I think he is one of the great leaders in the game. I think he's smart. I actually think he's brilliant. I and you know what I really love the fact that he and I went back and forth on Twitter because somebody said something about an exterior part of him. They didn't like the gold teeth and they didn't like the way he dressed. And I just went like this. How racist can you be? The way you look and the way you dress, that's a racist comment. And Lamar goes, thank you, Big Sills. And I said, don't thank me, dude. Those guys are wrong. You're a hell of a leader. And anybody that's ever been around you, known from South Florida, that's why. And anybody that's ever been around Lamar Jackson, you walk away going like this. Holy cow, is that guy impressive? He is an impressive man. Let's just get away from his football for a minute. He's an impressive man. And I've, I've had a chance. And I, it, it just kills me to this day that the University of Miami had him in the backyard. And you know what they told him? Eh, we're going in a different direction. We're looking at someone else. I was like this. Who? So you let an NFL MVP out of South Florida so he could go play at Louisville? No wonder Al Golden's fired. That guy was a turd coach. And I so said it. He destroyed the University of Miami. And I hated him as the coach because he's recruiting all over the United States. And I'm going like, Hoss, if you just recruit in South Florida, Broward and Dade, you'll never lose a game. And, you know, the university, uh, I'm not going to go too crazy like I used to, but the inner city kids are what made Miami great. Because you know who's recruiting the inner city kids now in South Florida? Alabama LSU. Do you know the entire secondary? And Krause, you know this, the entire secondary on the national championship Alabama Crimson Tide team are products of South Florida. Huh? How are those dudes not in Miami? Oh, that's right. We like kids out in the burbs. You don't win championships with choir boys. <laughs> Let's go back to our time. You think we were choir boys? I don't think so. Lamar Jackson, super kid, man. Didn't like the look, I guess. Look what he's done. Oh, let me... Let me say this, because I, I, I can hear people going, Sills, didn't you rip this kid saying he would not make it in the NFL? He'd be out of the league in five years? I did. I absolutely did. I, I thought he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I thought his throwing motion, that first playoff series that he had against the Chargers a couple years back, I was like, this guy sucks. He's never going to be an elite quarterback. Whew. Wow. Check mark over here and the dumbass takes of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to sign it. Dan Cilio. <laughs> yeah, I'll take accountability for that one. But your ass, I said that. Unfortunately, what's he done since? Led the NFL in passing TDs. Two straight years over a thousand yards rushing. What? 
right? MVP. He's won 80% of his NFL games. What? 80% of your NFL games. Led the NFL in passing. Has rushed for two, two straight seasons over 1,000 yards. Okay. I think he's proven to people that he's a hell of a player. This is where the other side comes in now. Are you, how long of an extension and contract do you want to give a guy who runs the ball 200 times a year, gets hit the way he does, has to carry himself like he does? You know, he's not just a drop-back quarterback. Part of his arsenal is his ability in the open space, correct? So, all of that being said, do you give him a 10-year deal like Patrick Mahomes? Or do you cut it up and do you say, let's go three years like they did Dak? I'm more in line with the three-year deal, four-year deal, five-year deal like Dak, I should say. I'm more in line there. I don't know if I feel comfortable giving Lamar Jackson a five-year contract. It's not because I don't think he's a good football player. That's not the case. I just think the law averages are eventually going to catch up with him the same way that they got caught up with Cam Newton. The pounding that Cam Newton took early in his career, you got to remember, he didn't have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield there. They had a pretty good running attack with Stort and them dudes in the backfield. But as that stuff started to erode, they relied on him to take off and get vertical yardage a lot of the time. And, it came with a price, did it not? Cam Newton, the last two years, has been out of football because of why? Contact. All the years of playing that MVP style of football, throwing the rock, running for positive yardage, it took its toll on the dude, right? Remember what I told you? Okay, here's Cam Newton, like I told you. You don't have to get the enormous hit to take you out. You just got to get this. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years. This is your body taking these hits every day in practice, every day in games, six years, seven years. What's happening? The top of the knee is starting to break. The elbow, the neck, the shoulder, it's getting lower. What's happening? The pounding eventually gets you in the end. Look at Brady. Brady had two surgeries in the offseason. Did you even know that? You think that was because of the 2020 season? That was the accumulation of 21 years and the 2020 season. Tom Brady's body is giving out on him. Not his mind. Not his arm. Not the way he conducts himself. Your body starts to surrender, and it's because of the hitting and the constant tapping. Bang, 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 bang. We only have so many of those in us before our body. Hey, just like in an automobile, there's miles on an automobile before the engine quits. Why wouldn't you think that in a body of a player, no matter what sport is? That's eventually what takes these guys out. It's not their desire, their heart, their ability. Their ability never leaves them, really. You know, it's funny. Howie Long used to say this all the time. 
Howie Long used to go, God, I got so smart as I got older in the NFL. It's just too bad my body deteriorated as I was getting smarter. See, that's what happens with players as you get older. You get smarter, okay? And you pick your spots more as you get older. You, you understand the game, but your body's falling apart around you. So when you're Lamar Jackson and you're the Ravens, you've got to take that all into account. And know this, okay? Are we building this football team? Because remember something. Remember what they did? They, they went from a Joe Flacco seven-step drop-back offense. And like with a calendar year, they completely reinvented that entire offense to be a run-oriented football team that was a spread offense with West Coast sprinkled in, right? Threw out of the slot, rolled the guy around a lot. It's, an, it's, a, it's a formula that they do with young quarterbacks. You don't have to manage the entire field. I've said this to you before, you know, when you're a young quarterback, what you're doing here is, okay, you're going to roll that kid. So from the hash mark to the sidelines, look, you have half the field to maneuver here. You see half the field. These veteran guys like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they're like this, impossible to defend. Because you're like this as a defender, watch. You, you don't know which way to go. Because one flick of the head like this, Brady, he moves the defense. Same thing with Rodgers. They're moving you around. They're moving the free and strong safety around. When you're a young player like Lamar Jackson, you don't have that, you don't have that ability to move those guys that much because it's half the field. But it's helping the young player see the field because – He's seeing more of it, by the way. I thought in that playoff game last year, I thought he saw a little bit more. And he's getting better and better because he's working harder and harder at it. My problem, again, with him is I think there's no question that he's got to, he's got to become a better passer. For me to give him a long-term contract, and that's five years is long-term to me, there's no way he's going to get a 10-year contract like Mahomes gets because Mahomes doesn't really rely on his legs. He does, but dude, he's a better passer than he is runner and he's a spectacular runner. So I want to see Lamar this year before I start committing. They'll probably extend him in this time. They're probably talking right now. I'd pay him $38 million a year, 39, 40. Maybe I might pay him more than Dak. Would I take him over Dak Prescott in a minute? In a minute. But I think it has more risk. If Dak has risk, Lamar has risk. All right. There's something very special going on up in New England. It's really weird, too, hearing it from Belichick. I'll tell you what that is next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. Planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Cilio. Bob Parker from Fox Sports will join us at the top of the hour. Then Jason Kolar, NFL insider, will join us in hour number two. And again, I want to throw the fact out that he's got a hell of a book out, too, on John Elway. He and John Elway went to Stanford together. I know. Not my kind of school, but, hey, it's all good. See, at the University of Miami, eh, you know. I didn't go there to be a rocket scientist. Let's just leave it there. I don't, right? <laughs> hey, it's all good. So we got Jason Cole, our NFL insider. That'll be in hour number two. Yeah, before I get into this Bill Belichick take, I find myself keeping an eye on this rivalry between Bryson DeChambeau and uh, Brooks Kepka. Hey, <laughs> You know when you just like hate somebody so bad. I don't know if you've seen the video clip. You can go over to Dan Cilio show or at Dan Cilio show. And he's getting ready to do an interview. And the golf channel kind of like leaked this thing out. And DeChambeau walks behind Kepka. By the way, he's a Florida State guy. So I give him, I give him a pass. It's all good. And and and, and so he, he sees him, he goes, God, Jesus. Drops a few F-bombs. That bull, you know what? I hate the whole – you're like, wow, this guy really – this is so great for sports. Dude, you got to have a villain in your sport. That's what really kills baseball. There's no villain. See, you know what LeBron does? Let me just say this to you, okay? My boy, all my guys in the media, okay, like Howard Eskin and them guys, they call him LaFraud. Okay, sure. And you know what? Howard, whatever he says, I'm good. Okay. WIP, legendary sportscaster, one of the great sports talk radio guys of all time, dear friend of mine. I love the guy, man. I revere the guy in high regard. 
and he calls him the fraud, thinks the guy is just BS and the whole thing. Okay, I'm kind of in that room too. However, he's a villain, man. You either hate him or you like him. That's great for the NBA. You got to have that. He's like the only guy. Now we're starting to see a little bit more of that kind of like, like James Harden and that. That fat ass ate his way out of Houston. You know, you're, you're looking at how he did that, showed up out of shape, you know, eating Twinkies. I want to go to the Nets. I hate it here, even though they gave me $300 million guaranteed. How would you like to have that? Maybe I'm jealous because I'm an NFL guy. Maybe I'm jealous because I'm an – I'm probably jealous. I won't lie. Gave me $300 million guaranteed, and I hate it here. I want to take my bat and ball, Mom, and I want to go to Brooklyn. Can I, Mom, please? Well, I don't know if I want to do that, son. We did everything for you here in Houston. You know, I don't know, son. You know, man, please, I want to go. I hate it here, man. I ate all my Twinkies. Look at me. I'm out of shape. I'm fat, and I hate the Rockets. Well, okay. I'm probably jealous, man, because if you do that in the NFL, hey, I want to go, unless you're Aaron Rodgers and one of them dudes, this is what they'll do. Hey, man, I'm really upset with what's going on with my contract here with Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, come again? Who are you again? Your name is what? You're number 52 on the 53-man roster. Here, I'll get back to you. Hang on for a second. Oh, yeah, we just worked a deal out for you, and here's your waiver ticket. <laughs> You're just being cut. What? What about the money I'm owed? Oh, no, no. That only works in the NBA, son. You sign a five-year contract at $200 million? Sicker. <laughs> what? Okay. That's why you don't see any holdouts. They'll just get rid of your ass. When's the last time you saw a quarterback hold out? Not playing a regular season game. They don't hold out. There's too much change and too much... Money being thrown around. Man, there's too many bags of money on the floor. I'm not missing that out. Are you crazy? <laughs> NFL will go like this. Okay. Hey, um, let me get back to you. And you're traded to, like, the Jets. Never want to be traded to the Jets. <laughs> Never traded to the Jets. Hey, man, that's something you just don't want. All right, let's move on here. So... I, I, I'm not, maybe you have a better take on this than I do. Bill Belichick, who does like, you know, here's here's a Belichick press conference. So Bill's, how, how's the team look? Well, we do things, um, you know, a certain way and how we prepare each and every single year for our OTAs and how we get ready for training camp. You know, the guys are really doing well and, you know, they're, they're really starting to grasp what we're doing in the playbook. No, Bill, how are, how, How's the team doing? Well, we're, we're, we're getting there. The coaches are connecting with them. And um, we'll know, you know, as we get into the fall camp. Okay. Um, <laughs> where else can I go there now? Okay. Next question. So how's Cam look? Yeah, you know, you know, he looks good, you know. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a good player. How's Mac Jones? Well, he's doing everything that a rookie's going to be doing. He gives you these vanilla questions. He's the greatest interviewer of all time on getting questions asked to him and throwing the, he's like the interviewer throwing it back at the questionnaire. He makes you have to follow up because the questions are so bland. I mean, it, that's by design. 
Hey, Bill, um, Tom Brady really played horrible against the Chiefs. This was about five years ago, six years ago. Are you thinking about moving into maybe putting Jimmy Garoppolo? We're on to Cincinnati. No, no, I, I know the next game, Cincinnati. But Tom didn't play. We're on to Cincinnati. By the way, Brady would win another Super Bowl. And it, we're on to Cincinnati. Is there any thought of change? Did you not hear me? We're on to Cincinnati. Okay. I had nothing left to say. What about the player's health? Well, I coach, and over there are the doctors. That's kind of like how we do things here. They're the doctors. I'm the coach. But something has happened. He was asked that question about Cam. Poof. Typical. Cam gives you leadership. High energy. He's just an infectious guy to be around. He He's our team captain. <laughs> okay. What? I don't think in 22 years or 21 years of Tom Brady being in that building, I ever heard that. And that guy put six Super Bowl trophies in the, you know, showcase out front of, you know, their offices there at Gillette. His sixth trophy, I never heard. Oh, just tremendous energy. Just a impeccable leader. An infectious guy. You just want to be around him. What? Now, I'll tell you what maybe Bill Belichick is evolving into. And I think it's a good thing, especially for Mac Jones, the new quarterback that they drafted. Maybe Bill understands as he's now in the elder statesman days of his coaching career, maybe he gets it like this. Look, hey, man, you can't talk to these players like you did 20 years ago where, hey, just line up and play. I don't have to kiss your ass. See, that's the stuff that Green Bay's not getting. Bill Belichick is evolving. Cam's amazing to be around i mean his energy level and do do you hear anybody up there and by the way i'm not talking about matt lafleur the coach of the packers i'm talking about the decision makers you see because that's the problem in green bay remember what i told you it's run by committee you see in new england when you hear that from belichick watch high energy great leader that's coming from the decision maker when you hear that from Matt LaFleur, watch. I couldn't imagine Green Bay you know, not having Aaron Rodgers. It means nothing because the dudes upstairs on the board of directors, they're the guys that are making all the moves. You ain't doing anything. You're kind of part of the decision-making, but not really. Because if you were part of the decision-making, wouldn't you be saying this? Hey, guys, you might want to pick the phone up and try to sue this thing over here with Aaron so – you know, we don't have this conflict. I can't have my wide receiving core also miss camp. We're trying to I mean we didn't have a we didn't have mini camps last year. We didn't have OTAs. We didn't have uh preseason football. And now this is a chance for us all to get on the same page. And we can't get on the same page because you guys are in a tiff with him. Think of that for a minute. Brady's got his entire crew together. His entire crew together. The Super Bowl crew together. And Green Bay's in a tiff with their quarterback and with their wide receiving core, and they haven't had OTAs or 
any kind of true training camp or any preseason football in the last two years. And Tampa Bay's got a leg up on you because of that again. This guy's body surfing Aaron Rodgers in Hawaii. You know what Brady's doing? He's working out with his boys, man, getting ready for the upcoming 2021 season. And you're sitting around farting around here. Hey, well, maybe we're not going to move on. You know, maybe we are going to move. I don't know. You know, I have to figure this thing out yet. I don't really know. What? Dude. Poorly handled, as usual, in Green Bay. All right. We're going to catch up with our friend Rob Parker. We'll continue. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. Planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future is not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Cilio. Rob Parker, our friend from Fox Sports, will join us. And also Jason Cole, Hall of Fame voter and our NFL insider from Sports Illustrated, will join us. Also in hour number two, we're going to have a conversation on what's going on in Green Bay. I got I to first hit it here with what's going on in Jacksonville. I never thought in a million years, like I said, May 27th, I'm talking about 
the Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm talking, they have never, ever, well, kind of, you know, they've had some good teams, but they have never been polarizing. You've got a coach who's arguably one of the most successful coaches in the history of college football. How will he fare? As an NFL head coach, we've seen guys come into the league and flop on their face. We've also seen guys like Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, that have come into the NFL and had great success. Who will he be? you got the number one overall selection in the NFL and Trevor Lawrence, maybe the best prospect that we've seen come out of college since Andrew Luck and John Elway, right? How is he going to play as a starting quarterback in the NFL? And then you have the incomparable Tim Tebow. And I've got to bring Rob Parker in for this one, man. I, I, I got to tell you, Rob, I've never on May, let's see, 27th. I, I don't think in my entire career I've ever done this, Rob. Hey, how about the Jags? <laughs> oh, my. Yes. Please. Don't start Welcome. it. Don't start. Hey, Tim, How you doing, Dan? Good man. How are you, Rob? What do you What do you make of this story in Jacksonville right now with Tebow and Urban Meyer? I, I think it's a disaster. I just don't understand it, Dan. From from a couple standpoints, we already know what. what you you're just starting a new gig. This isn't college, right? Why bring in a guy? You're bringing in a guy who a has never played the position. He's 33 years old as a backup. He's four string tight end. He's been a distraction everywhere he goes because the Tebow people are going to be, you know, why isn't he playing, this and that. I, I just don't – it doesn't make any sense that you you stuck out your neck. He stuck out his neck for that Chris Doyle, you remember, from Iowa. The weight that coach. Was, right, that strength coach who had all kinds of issues, you know, at Iowa with black players. You bring that guy into your lock, locker room. It doesn't make any sense. Like, Urban Meyer, why are you starting off like this? And then is Tim Tebow, if you're a player on the team, you're starting to say, okay, here's his favoritism. And then is he in the club, the locker room to be a, a, a snitch or, you know, a spy? I mean, Dan, you've been in locker rooms. You know what I'm talking about. How are people going to look at him? Absolutely, man. I would look at him. He, he's looking at setting the environment for the coach and having that guy implemented in there so that he's going to tell players this is what Urban Meyer expects and players that don't follow along, Meyer's going to have a conversation with him, Rob. I completely agree with you. And I, that leads me to Meyer here. Like you say, with, with Chris Doyle, also to the wide receiver coach that he had issues with at Ohio State. Now this year, you think Meyer understands the environment sometimes and the surroundings on what is expected of him as a coach? I think you could get away with that in college, but players see through that in the NFL. These are grown men who make millions of dollars, and you know it's just totally different. And and even the strength and condition, I really thought, you know, and, and he even went out on the limb, like he, he, he on the press conference, talked about him and them being together at Iowa when they never were even at Iowa together. They missed each other. So you start to say to yourself, well, what is this guy selling you? He didn't even work with this guy, and he's going to push this guy on us. And then when he heard from other players, and all of a sudden, of course, Chris Doyle resigned or whatever they say. They paid him to go away. But that's just like a move. You're starting fresh. 
give yourself a chance, you know, like win some. You know, we can accept a lot of stuff once you come in and prove yourself and, and, and people go, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to use his better judgment. College is not the pros. We've seen some of the greatest college coaches fail. Nick Saban was a failure in the NFL. He's by, he's the greatest college football coach ever. Absolutely. Where, what side of the aisle are you on with Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with that mess up there in Green Bay? I, you know, I, I, I it can't be about Jordan Love, okay, because that that's like a, a year removed, so that doesn't make any sense. I get it. You know, the guy wound up having the great – had a great year, probably his best year, second best year ever. I mean, I think only the quarterback rating one other year was better. Uh, but other than that, he played great. So he's playing from a hand of leverage only from the standpoint that he couldn't have said that last year when his numbers were good but not great. You know what I mean? You would have, you would have looked weird at 36 years old barking and your numbers aren't that great. Now you're coming off an MVP. You can kind of say some stuff. But ultimately, I, I still think this is going to come down to money will make people happy. And, you know, if they come through with the contract, the bits, you know, more money and, and, and kiss and make up and tell how much you need, we need you and how much we love you and all that, this thing can be repaired. I don't think it's uh, the end-all, be-all. I really don't. I would be surprised if he's on another team. I really would. How- how about this, Rob? I, I think this is okay. You know, I, I was talking to Kurt Warner the other day about this. You got 31 years of Favre and Rodgers, and you've got three Super Bowl appearances and two wins. And the relationship that you had with Favre ended horrifically. The relationship that you have now is being handled horrifically. And I made the point that. That football team is being run by committee. You got Mark Murphy and a board of directors up there. When you're in, when you're in Seattle or you're up in New England or you're down in Tampa with Arians, you know when the coach talks, that's pretty much the decision maker. In Green Bay, these guys fall all over themselves, man, on relationships. They're so poor at it. And when I hear Rogers talking, I think it's about communicating. I mean, I heard a thing the other day. Andy Reid was constantly in contact with Alex Smith that they were going to take a quarterback. They weren't asking him whether he thought they should. They were just saying respectfully, hey, Alex, we're going to take a guy here. And it turned out to be Mahomes, but they kept him in the mix. That makes that transition so much more friendlier. I think this is communication stuff here, Rob, that he's pissed at. I don't disagree because they're not, they don't have an owner. If they had an owner, somebody you could go to, you know this, too many cooks spoil the broth. When you when you got too many people and you got to get eight people to sign off on stuff and nobody's really the owner, right, it's owned by a ton of people, it, it, it makes it more difficult. And I agree with you. I think that is part of the, the reason that if you had an owner who might have gone years ago and said, what do you, what do you mean we've never drafted a, a skilled position offensive player in the first round during Aaron Rodgers' entire career. This is ridiculous. What are we doing here? We need to get this guy more help. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I think that's been the problem. I agree. The Packers have always, you know, they've they've won. They've got a nice legacy. And, you know, Green Bay, that's all they got. They're never going to have empty seats. People are never, you know, so I think sometime when you have that, you know you don't have to play to the crowd because the crowd's always going to be there. 
I know you got to run. I got a couple more questions for you. I want to ask you about Philadelphia, and I want to ask you about how that franchise three years ago were world beaters. Now they've completely fallen on their face in some respects. Now they've got Jalen Hurts. Where do you see the direction of the Philadelphia Eagles going? I don't know where they're going, to be honest. I mean, the whole thing is was a mess. And it's not this, I'm not blaming them for Carson Wentz, who, you know, Dan, you saw it. This guy was on his way to an MVP. I mean, he played great. He got hurt. They won the Super Bowl, all the other stuff. Even a couple of years ago, if you remember when they won the division at the end, remember they beat the Cowboys? He did it with tape and string and glue. There was nobody there. I don't even know how they did it. And they won the division. But it just seemed like it was a toxic environment for everybody. I expect Carson Wentz in Indianapolis to, to do well. I don't know. The jury's still out on Jalen Hurts. You know, I hear one thing. I hear some other stuff. Like, maybe he's not all the way ready. He's too one-dimensional. You know, when they, when they force him to just throw the football, it's going to be different. I, I don't know. If I look in the uh, NFC uh, East, I look at the Eagles being at the bottom right now. Finally here, Tua came out today and said that I really didn't know the playbook. I wasn't a very good teammate. Take it from me, Rob. When you start to hear stuff like that, that's maturity issues that you have to understand. You're no longer on scholarship. You're being paid like everybody in that room. And the number one thing and the number one position that has to be plugged into a playbook, has to be plugged into an organization, is that quarterback position. When I hear that and I watch Justin Herbert and I see Joe Burrow, when I see those two guys, I, Rob, I go like this. Wow, those guys look like they got that franchise's head in them. When I look at two, I do this. I don't know. Well, and I think that's why that they – I thought it was ridiculous when they were, you know, going back to Fitzpatrick. You know, like either the guy's your guy, you got to play him. The only way you learn how to play football – in the NFL is play football in the NFL. You can practice all you want. You got to get the reps in games. So I didn't understand why they were wasting reps on Fitzpatrick. Well, we know what he is. He's a journeyman. He plays well for a while. When you give him the keys to the car, he crashes it. You know, we, we know what he is. So that, that now tells me why they were thinking the way they were and maybe he didn't put all his all into it, but maybe he got a wake-up call and he has to get there. There's some talent there, but you know, there's a lot of guys who are talented. Everybody can't hone it, and everybody can't cash in on it. Professor Parker now? Is that right? <laughs> yes, I, te I teach. I'm an adjunct professor at USC, so uh, just another one of my hats that I got going. And one last thing, Dan, I also, I don't know if you know, I started a new baseball website called MLBBRO, B-R-O.com, and on the site we cover black and brown baseball players it is a unique site. I'm very thrilled about it. And best of all, I'm also using it as a training ground for young. I would like to, you know, help develop the next generation of black and brown male and female baseball writers. So if you get, can give it a shot, take a look, MLBBro.com. Absolutely, man. We need more African-Americans and minorities in a dominated white profession of broadcasting. I mean, play-by-play -play people, too. I mean, there's no question we need more diversity in this field. No question about it. Rob, you're right at the front. We'll take a look at it. Have a great class today, man. Thank you so much for coming aboard, Rob. All right, Dan. We'll talk to you. Good luck with you, okay? Thanks, Thank you, buddy. man. Thank you so much, Bye -bye. brother. I appreciate it. That is my friend, Rob Parker. Absolutely.
need more diversity in broadcasting. I've said this before too about play-by-play. Why are they always the short white guys? Never made sense to me. Anyway, so yeah, I, I you know, I, and, and back to the Tua stuff there, he's right. There is some talent there. But why do you think all of a sudden we saw this? Watch this. All of a sudden we were like, okay, we're hearing this now. Hey, the knee feels good. Well, nobody really asked you if the knee was doing well or your ankle that you heard at Alabama. Huh. Okay. Then we heard, hey, you know, I've got to be a better teammate. And, you know, I've got to read the playbook a little bit better. I was not comfortable really. Where's this all coming from? Well, that guy in Green Bay. Maybe Deshaun Watson. Chris Greer is a playmaking Deal making, you think Howie Roseman in Philly is a guy that picks the phone up and tries to cut deals every day? That guy does it too in the, and down in Miami. Chris Greer is also that guy. And he's doing this with two of them. Hmm. Let me think here. Okay. Yeah. Huh. All right. I'm sitting. No, I don't. There's still question marks right now on Tua Tucker Viola. Am I right? I have them. I don't know if that guy's going to. You know what? One thing I always have to reflect back on because Ross Tucker, go back and listen to the interview that we had with Ross right here on the Jacob Media channel on the National Football Show. He's right. If you, you have a top 20 guy, top 15 dude, you can probably win a Super Bowl if you have enough dynamic players around that guy. Now, the higher you get up in the food chain, I think the less guys you have around you that you can win a Super Bowl. Like, do we agree? I mean, look, the fact that the fact that Patrick Mahomes has a guy like Hill and Kelsey and guys like that on their offense, and now they got Orlando Brown in the offensive line, when you got guys like that on your football team, Dude, you're going to win a lot of football games when you have that dude as your quarterback. See, Brady needs components around him now. You know why? Because Tom Brady's 44 years old. Tom Brady is not going to be a deep thrower. He's not going to be throwing the plus 25 plays. And then again, not that he ever was a plus 25 thrower. I mean, there were all those dink and dunk passes that we always saw being thrown to the running backs up in New England, right? The only time they were ever really a big play offense is when Randy Moss was up there. And when Randy Moss was up there, that's when you really saw, you know, those big plus 25 knock the top of the defense off, you know, with their offense. You're not going to see that, you know, with Tom Brady, especially now, even though they have Evans and they have Goodwin and they have Antonio Brown, they have Gronk, they have, you know, now they're even going to get Howard back too, man. Wow, are they going to be just an insane football team? to watch his coming season. They barring any kind of injuries, that Buccaneers team is going to be one of the most it's going to be one of the most explosive football teams offensively I've seen maybe since the greatest show in turf. You got weapons everywhere. I mean, just weapons everywhere. I mean, if the passing game's not going, you can run with Leonard Fournette, you know? If your wide receivers are being covered, then you can go to your tight ends, you get both of them now. I mean, man, oh man, you you've You've got an offensive attack now. If nobody gets hurt in the offensive line, Brady doesn't get nicked up. He comes back off his injuries. He's a 
that's going to be a big play offense. But as I was saying, the more you go up in the food chain, traditionally with these young guys like Josh Allen, you don't need to have a big-time offensive weapons around them. Even though Stephon Diggs is up in Buffalo, they really don't have a significant running a game. But they're gonna, they've got a committee, just like they did in New England. They had a running game by committee. Okay, you don't have to have, well, here's my back. He's Derrick Henry, and that dude's getting the ball 25 times. That's not traditionally what you get when you are going to look at, you know, the Tennessee Titans. You know, you're going to get about 20 passes out of Tannehill, but 25 carries, and there's going to be more creative balance in that offensive attack Vrabel wants to put on the field. You're going to see more 55-45 pass the run in Tennessee. When you're in Tampa, you're going to see more 60-40. That's pretty much the number now going around the league. 60-40 pass to run. Whereas in my era, it was probably 50-50 run to pass. Throw the ball 25 times, run the ball 25 times. That that's pretty much what you got during my era when you had guys like, you know, Eric Dickerson and Herschel Walker and them dudes running the ball. You really don't see those big time backs that just get the ball 28 times a game and they're just going to knock the dirt off your face mask every time they run through the line of scrimmage. You're just not going to see that. That's not traditionally how the league is run now. You know, you got more running back by committee. That's why the diminishing salaries with that position has now turned into where that money has transformed from being. You know, the running back's money, who gets it now? Receivers get that money. Now you're starting to even see some of the tight ends start to get some of that money now. Jimmy Graham a couple years ago tried to change that whole dynamic. Don't pay me like a tight end. You know, you throw me the football like you throw wide receivers the football. Why are you classifying me a tight end? You're classifying me a tight end because you don't have to pay me the same scale as wide receivers get today. Well, they're kind of coming away from that a little bit. And that whole dynamic is changing financially. The number, you know, when kids nowadays, check it out. When kids nowadays, when they come out of high school and they're looking for a college, what are you seeing now? Are you seeing the explosive backs like you did, say, 20 years ago that were coming out of college? If a guy is a first-round draft choice at running back nowadays, he's a pretty special kid, isn't he? Okay? Back in the day, you would take a gamble on a guy who was a running back, and you would draft him in the first round. Those guys are no longer wanting to play that position. You know why? Because the wide receiver guys don't get hit as much. You make all the money, and you don't get hit. Hello? The only other position that's like that is the NFL's quarterback position. Think about this for a minute. What would you rather be coming out of high school if you run a 4-5? A running back or a wide out? You throw me the ball 14 times a game. I may catch the ball seven. I'm not going to have any big hits on me because targeting is now a major factor. Right? Targeting is a huge factor now. And you're going to pay me $17 million to $20 million a year? I don't know about you, but I'd... And wait a minute. So I'm only going to get hit like seven, eight times a game? Versus 30 times on pass probe and running through the line of scrimmage. Why would I play running back? I'm going to make more, take less hits. And it's a glamour position. And 
all the dudes on Friday nights and hang out with their boys at bars. Hey, Bob, what do you think, man? Should I take DeAndre Hopkins? Or, hey, Johnny, what do you think, man? Should I take Stefan Diggs? You know the dudes that hang out together on a Friday night without chicks and play fantasy? I'm my cup of tea kind of guys. Now, I'm not ripping fantasy here. If you're hanging out with your chick on a Friday night going, hey, honey, who do you have for uh, this weekend? Want to make a trade? And you guys are talking fantasy football? And you guys are in a league together? That's all good. But if you're hanging out with 18 guys at a bar on Friday night, who do you got? I'd be like this. Hey, I'm going to take my drink and go over here. You all right? <laughs> Big Seals don't go to bars with dudes. <laughs> Big Seals don't hang out with dudes on a Friday night with, you know, talking football with 18 guys. That ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't working for me, man. I don't, hey, by the way, I don't mind fantasy football. We'll have a segment for that during the regular season of the NFL. We have a bunch of experts from Vegas come in. So we'll do that all the time. And I know it's a big thing. And by the way, why do you think they made the Red, the red Zone channel? Why, you think they made it for dopes to go, hey, man, I wonder what my guy's doing this week. They made it for gamblers. The Red Zone channel's for gamblers. For all the degenerate gambler dudes, what's my guy doing, man? Let's take a look, man. What's Alvin Kamara doing with the Saints? Yeah, but they're getting killed. Who cares? My team has them. Let's see what he's – why do you think television ratings for these NFL games never go down, even in blowouts? You could have a stupid game like Lions and Vikings that nobody cares about, but people have fantasy football you know, interest in those games. They turn on the red zone. Hey, did you hear Todd Gurley's in town? This is true, too, by the way. He's in town today up in Detroit. And get this, they're talking about reuniting Todd Gurley and Jared Goff up in uh, Detroit. Great. Hey, that ended well. Two overpaid guys in L.A. Maybe landing in a place that is the biggest union joint of all time in Detroit. You know why free agents don't go to Detroit? Because of the unions. Do you know every t- – hey, I'll, I'll give you some insight here. Every single time an NFL guy sees the Lions on their schedule, you know what they do? They moan. Here's why. When you go into Detroit, you've got to pay um, another tax because you're an athlete going into Detroit because of the unions. So you get taxed another 17% when you go into Detroit and play. They tax that paycheck. Everyone's like, this is playing in the NFC Central Division or the North. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh, God. I played in Detroit. Fantastic fans. It's all good. Man, you get annihilated, though, when it comes to taxes. All right, we're going to talk to our friend Jason Cole, and we're going to whip around the NFL with him. We'll talk a little bit about his book as well. And he is our NFL inside reporter, and he works for Bleacher Report. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show here with your boy Dan Cilio. I don't know. I, I don't know if I should bring this up. It's a kicker. Not really a football player. You know, I mean, kickers aren't really football players. They're on football teams. You know, they're, you know, a quarterback at least gets hit. A kicker sits under an umbrella on a field. And I, I was told like yesterday, and I, you know, I debated. I go, hey, man, I don't know. Maybe I should bring up Adam Vinatieri. Watch this. Krause goes like that. Well, he's the all-time leading scorer in NFL. Okay, great. <laughs> and we're not talking about a wide out or a running back or a quarterback. Talking about a kicker. I really don't know if kickers are – I don't know if they're football players. I think that's why so few of them are in the Hall of Fame. I think there's only one, Jan Stenerud. Listen, will Vinatieri get into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. I mean, by the way, that'll be my first question to Jason Cole too, because he's a Hall of Fame voter. And 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I get I get asked all the time. And by the way, what I love about all of my friends that come on, they're all Hall of Fame voters. The only the people that vote for that prestigious building, those are pretty much only the guys that I really bring on the show that are my inside reporters and guys that are plugged into the league are Hall of Fame guys who kind of have decision making on who's going to wear those legendary gold jackets. So just so you know. So I, I, I was asked a couple times, Sills, Vinatieri, man, this guy won Super Bowls. I know. <laughs> and I know, you know, they're like, why are you being so sarcastic to Adam Vinatieri? The guy had really a great career. And I'm like, yeah. I tell you again, he's not a football player. And I think this is one of the reasons why the Hall of Fame voters have a tough time putting special teams dudes in to the Hall of Fame. We had Steve Tasker, who, hey, for the record, Steve Tasker was a hell of a special teams guy, seven-time Pro Bowler. You know, he still lives up in the Buffalo area. We had him on yesterday with us. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Devin Hester also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe even Bill Bates from the Dallas Cowboys deserves to be, you know, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But I don't know, man. So kicker dudes in the Hall of Fame. Now, look, was he important to the legacy of the New England Patriots and how they won those championships? How many Super Bowls did he win up there with kicks? Three, two? So there's no question that Brady and the special teams were always in sync. They always knew, and he was one of the most accurate guys in history. I think he started his career, if I'm not mistaken, with the Giants. I mean, before he even got to New England, I may be wrong on something like that, but I thought he started his career in New York with the Giants. Yeah, so whether or not he gets into the it's how about this you think Vinatieri's the first ballot hall of famer because i do believe adam's going to get in to the hall of fame the big question will be is if he is a first ballot guy you know he would pretty much be a guy that would start to send the trend that you would have to start thinking about putting more of these players that were special teams experts into the game. Look, I've said this before. If you're going to put an owner in the Hall of Fame and these guys that were writing checks and these guys were putting coaches on coaching staffs and helping formulate some of these dynasties, you got to always look at everybody that was on those rosters. So do you start pushing your chips in to start to say here that some of these guys – you know, belong into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? And I think that's a great question on whether or not you think that Adam Vinatieri is a first ballot guy. So we'll talk to our friend Jason Cole, and we'll get his thoughts in on that, like I said. The storyline of the day, though, has clearly been – now there's a, new, there's a new line going on in Jacksonville. And Urban Meyer came out with it today. He said, we may be using Tim Tebow and some Tyson Hill-type red zone offense. Well, that didn't take long. That didn't take long. And a guy who is in that neck of the woods right around Jacksonville is our NFL insider. He is our man, Jason Cole. And I got the book this time, Cole. 
Okay. I got the book this time here so everyone could see it here. There you go. There he said go. bad things. He said bad things about me in here too. So I just want you all to know this. And here it is yeah. here, a relentless life. Yeah. Did you read did you read it yet? I have. I've gotten all the way to the pictures. <laughs> I, I've gotten all the you way are, to the you pictures. Are, you are a cane through and through. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, dude. So Urban Meyer comes out today uh-huh. and he says we and this didn't take long, did it? He uh-huh. we may have some type of Tyson Hill package for Tebow in the red zone to play quarterback. I mean, I don't think Trevor Lawrence understand what he's in for. You're in that neck of the woods. He's in Gator country. Tebow's the most famous SEC player, if not the most famous college football player of all time. I mean, how are you seeing this thing gather steam Tebow mania? I look, I think that people with a sense about themselves and who understand football know that it's, it's a gimmick uh, primarily. Um, it's a, it's a gimmick that, Look, does Tebow deserve another chance to make a, an NFL team? I, yeah, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Um, and can he do some things on a football field maybe? Sure, as a fullback, um, as a red zone quarterback, sure. I, I get that. You know, guy you want to put in and have run a short yardage. I mean, would I rather have him run a short yardage player than Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, probably. I mean, to be quite frank about it, because I don't want to I don't want to use up Trevor Lawrence's body running short yardage plays. Okay. Uh, there's nothing really wrong with that. But but don't kid yourself. I mean, like, they took they took Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick. People are in love with Trevor Lawrence um, in Jacksonville overwhelmingly because they see him as the golden child. And they all understand that this organization is going to go as far as he can take them. So I don't think there's anybody out there who, you know, except for the most devout, and that's a that's a critical word to use here, the most devout Tebow fans, there's nobody here who's sitting here saying, oh, Tebow's going to beat him up for quarterback. That's just not happening. It's really not. He's not a quarterback. He may be a short yardage player, but he is not a quarterback. How about we go up to a place that there's really a conflict going on here? Now you got the wide receivers not showing up to OTAs. And I tell people, look, you're not playing a game on Sunday. But, Jason, this stuff between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, um, are, are you getting a little bit more on the side where after June 1, there could be a possibility of conversation? Do I think he's moved? I still am going to say 90%, 95%, no way he's being moved. But before I was 99% sure he wasn't being moved. Now I'm 95% that there could be some conversation. How do you see this thing? Everything depends on how bad does Aaron Rodgers want to push this. Because ultimately, and you know this. That's right. It's on him. Star players determine what happens to this. And, and, and this is not a recent phenomenon, okay? We can go back to Wilt Chamberlain in the 19, late 1960s where he said, I'm going to go play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And everybody's like, well, but you play for it. No, no, no. I'm going to go play for the Lakers. That's what I've decided I want to do. Now you're going to go do this because that's what I've decided you're going to do. Right? So for 50-something years, star players have determined where they want to go and what they will do if they're willing to do whatever it takes to do that. 
So if Aaron Rodgers wants to nuke the organization, he can. The only problem is that it's there's going to be blowback on him. Right, like there's going to be fallout, and he's going to have to feel feel some of the fallout, and it's going to define a lot of his career, right? And so he's trying to do this very politely, but it's the and it's the same thing with Deshaun Watson and Julio Jones this week just proved it. Like, you know, I'm out of here. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> it's done, right? It's done. That's a little easier because he's a wide receiver and they'd already talked about whether they were going to trade him. So the, you know, the path had been paved already. Aaron Rodgers, it's a lot more difficult The Hall of Fame quarterback, all those kinds of things. But if Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, I can never be in the same building with Brian Gutekunst ever again. I do not trust the man. I will never play for him again. That's it. Then one of two things is going to happen. Either one, he's going to be out or two, Brian Gutekunst is going to be out. And I always like to say it's a lot easier to find a GM than it is to find a quarterback. Especially like that. Well, let me throw this at you, though, Jace. And I've been – you know, I had Kurt Warner on the other day with me, and I threw this at him as well. You know, the old-school way that Green Bay operates because there's no owner, it's a board of directors, you have Mark Murphy running it. I mean, the relationship that they had with Favre ended miserably – the relationship with Favre at the end, their communication, I'm watching almost the same kind of stuff here. Yep. It's When I hear Aaron Rodgers talking, I don't hear him really talking about personnel stuff. I think it's the communication. I mean, I heard a story. Go with me on this, Jace. I heard a story yesterday that Andy Reid, when he was getting ready to take um, Patrick Mahomes, that he was in constant contact. I heard it from actually Alex Smith's mouth himself say, yeah, he, was he was constantly contacting me, telling me what they were going to do. They weren't asking him what they should do. They were just keeping him professionally informed as a courtesy of what they were doing. Same thing up in San Francisco. Why can't Green Bay do that going, guy's been there 16 years. You can't give him a courtesy call of what they're going to do. He has to find out on the internet. This is where things get bad. And again, it goes back forever. I mean, I, again, you're you're holding the book with, with about Elway, right? Dan Reeves tried trained tried thought about trading him to the Washington Redskins. Never told him. He found he found out from Ernest Biner while playing blackjack in a casino in South Lake Tahoe during summertime. He was totally blindsided that they that they thought about trading him. When they decided to take Tommy Maddox, you remember that one, right? 1992, I think it was. Yeah. 1992 draft. You know, every indication up to that time was they were going to take Carl Pickens. They were finally going to give him a, a, a number one receiver who was, you know, lights out, you know, awesome, awesome player. You know, he believed Carl Pickens, Carl Pickens, Carl Pickens. And Carl Pickens was on the board, and they took Tommy Maddox. And that was the end of it between him and Reeves. That was it. They had no relationship. I mean, they didn't have much of a relationship before that. Okay. But that, you know, ended it. It was over. And Reeves got fired, you know, after the following season because Bolin looked at it and says, man, I, I, I can't find another Elway, but I can find another coach. <laughs> and he did. He, you know, he eventually did. So, um, 
Yeah, like they're guys who set the tone for your organization. I know there are a lot of fans out there like, well, it's the business of the team to do this. No, 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 no. You ask the quarterback and you ask special players like that to do things above and beyond to run your organization. The quarterback on any team is like a CEO of, of any other organization. Okay, because he's the guy that everybody's looking at going, can you solve this problem? Everybody's looking at you to make a play. Everybody's looking at you to set the tone of leadership. You know, they look at the quarterback more than they look at the coach. Okay, Jimmy Johnson was a powerful person, but Troy Aikman was more important. Mm. Don't kid yourself, right? Everybody's looking at Troy. Is going, you're going to make a play at the right time? You know, at the critical time, we need you? Yeah, you're going to make a play. He's the guy, right? So, yeah, the quarterback's more important. So keep the guy in the loop. Treat him like management, which, you know, especially after the amount of time that a guy like Aaron Rodgers has put in. Jason, I, 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 you, you'll have to give me some insight on this one here because I don't remember. Maybe I just don't remember the number ever being released this fast when it came to what the cap is going to be in 2022. I heard, think I heard 208.2. It's yeah. at 182-something now. I, I I think you're trying to help set up free agency for three years, and has that number ever been released this early? No, no, no. It's not. It's not because, but they're starting to get the full returns on what they lost the previous year, right? So you're trying to smooth out what the growth in the cap is supposed to be, so that okay, okay we're going to make it here, so that we can we can handle some of the loss some of the losses this year and then we'll handle some of the losses the following year is that because of the new cba when they have deferred money in that so that now because as that thing gets kicked in this coming year here that they're going to be able to say like like they did in los angeles Gurley still owed 25 million but with the cap going up to 208 we've deferred that money out here's where you're going to be working is this still a per, is this still a projection or is that going to be the actual hard number um, it's a projection. It, it, no, what it is is it's the highest it can be. Okay. This okay. is the highest. It's a 182. It's going to go to here. This is the high, highest it can be. And that's a big jump. Yeah. But it's also because they went way down this year, right? Like that's they were right. at 198. They went to 182. Like people aren't following along with the whole progression. Okay. And let me just say this. The number is not nearly as high as what everybody thought it was going to be there. There are a lot of people who thought they were going to go from like 200 million this year. You know, this is pre pandemic, right? Oh yeah. When, when they thought about what the new numbers were going to be, they thought they were going to go from like $200 million this year to like 240 million, right? Like there was going to be this astronomical jump in the cap. There's still a pretty big jump in the cap. It's just, I think they're adjusting to what the losses are over time instead of, trying to take it all at one time okay um kickers are not football players but adam vinatieri retired and i don't know okay whatever he's the all-time leading scorer great he's one of your people i know he's a paisan so it's hard for me to trash the guy but you know he sits around on the sidelines drinking my ties with an umbrella i don't know anyway is he a first ballot hall of famer yes oh mike you're gonna put your name down on a kicker over a wide receiver, or say over Devin Hester. I, 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 I mean, let me preface it by saying this. Or Steve Tasker, we had on yesterday. Steve Tasker's not a Hall of Famer. Stop it. Oh, no. oh God. I'm so Great. Tired of that argument. I'm just 
<laughs> By the way, folks, I, he's I a Hall of Fame voter. Steve, Steve Tasker's a great guy. He's a great, great guy. He's not a Hall of Fame. But he's so. not getting your vote. No, he's not getting my vote. He was not a full-time player. He was. He was. He played 15 downs. He, and he played them very well. Don't get me wrong. How about and, Devin? Uh, Hester, close, but, good, but but there's a difference there. That guy scored touchdowns. He did. Like, he's he a, did. Yeah. And look, Tasker. Tasker gave. I mean, if you were to say the hall of guys who gave every bit of everything that they possibly could and played with honor and integrity and gave everything to the game. Okay. I'm, I'm voting for Steve Tasker. Okay. But he's a part-time player. He's not. Okay. Fair That's enough. Cool. What about Vinatieri? First ballot? Vinatieri, because there's a difference when you're on stage like that to have to make pressure field goals and to play like that and to, you know, to be part of the games that he was part of, you know, I mean, it's, this is not just one or two big kicks. Oh no. He's won three Super Bowls. I th he's won. I mean, he personally was put he in put position ball, yeah. to yeah, win he, games and he did. Right. And you're, that's a big stage to be on. Now um, I would always argue that I think Sebastian Janikowski was actually a better kicker. Okay, uh, when you talk about the physical skill of kicking, because if you go back to the the snowball game, you know the 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 tuck rule game, and if you ever go back, people should look at Sebastian Janikowski kicking in that conditions. And I, you know, you're like Vinatieri makes this one one of these kicks, he makes it, but it like barely gets over and just kind of wobbles through. And this like, <laughs> if you go back and you look at Janikowski kicking that, he's just like boom, thanks, I know. Okay, bye. Boom, thanks. Because it's like I'm back in Poland and it's all good. I like, you know, because that's where he's from. That's where he grew up. He grew up. I in know, Poland. I get it. In the I snow. Get it. Like it was all good. It was great. Okay. So <laughs> as a physical act of of athleticism, Janikowski was a better kicker. But as a career stamping moments and being there on the big stage and all those things. Like you can't do any more than Vinatieri did. You just can't. So answer the question: Is he getting your first ballot Hall of Fame vote? Some of it depends on who else is on the ballot. Okay. okay. All right. So because you only get five, right? Right. Right. So I mean, if you got Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson again, and this guy and this guy and this guy, <laughs> yeah, then uh, okay, it gets a little <laughs> tougher, right? <laughs> right. But. I would say without knowing that, like I can't remember everybody who's retired after this season. You know, Breeze, Breeze, like Breeze is going in. Yeah, and Breeze is going in ahead of Vinatieri. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know, no question about. It. Like, let's just move, right? Like, right. let's go. Um, I can't remember who else. I don't think there's anybody else of that ilk who's right. who's retired this year. But you know, Breeze is going to get Breeze goes in over 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 Vinatieri in a heartbeat. So I just have to look at what the ballot is. But I think I'm leaning towards, yeah, he did as much as he possibly could. Like, I voted Calvin Johnson in this year, and Calvin's as physically gifted a wide receiver as there's ever been, right? Like, he's as overwhelming and did some Correct. amazing things. But I, I will say, honestly, I thought he left some stuff on the table during his career. I mean, not that he didn't give everything that he could, you know, until his body gave out. But, you know, like – there's a lot of things missing. Like there's no playoffs there, there's the, you know, that are substantial. There's no big, really big, gigantic moments. Adam Vinatieri had every big, gigantic moment that you could ask of a player, and he came through.
John Elway, in my opinion, in my my career and in my broadcast career, is the greatest physical quarterback prospect I have ever seen come out of college. And it's I don't think there's anyone close. However, is Trevor Lawrence with the same kind of hype coming out of college as John Elway, or do you think it's Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck kind of in those two guys when you're comparing what Lawrence is being expected to do in the NFL? I think, to be honest with you, if you when you watch Trevor Lawrence, and go watch tape of Joe Willie, name it. And if you watch tape of the way that he moves and throws – and, and, and I, yeah, like they're the same guy. Big like, release, big you know, quick release, big easy arm, like boom, good on their feet. Yeah, right. Good, you know, good runners. You know, and yep. this is Joe before the knee. Yeah, before the knee at right. Alabama. Yep, right. at Alabama. You right. look and you go, wow, those two guys are the same dude. Yeah, like yeah. physically. So to me, he reminds me a little bit more of Namath than Elway. Elway was. A little bit more like I'm going to create whatever I have to create on my own. Like I'm going to do some things. I'm going to do some things in the pocket, and I'm going to dance around, and I'm going to make you you overstuffed defensive lineman who you know you know look silly you know as I run around. Like Georgia Chica is still chasing John Elway. <laughs> Georgia Chica from from USC is still chasing Elway. In that game at Stanford, he's still running after him. It, that play lasted like five minutes, and Achika chased him twice. And he like he he spun around him twice. Achika's still trying to get him. So like, how he did those kinds of things. To me, Lawrence does the more. It's a little more traditional looking, but it's fabulous. So I don't know. Is there a huge difference between those two things? No. I mean, Lawrence is. Lawrence is fantastic to watch. I just hope that they, I hope that they assemble enough talent around him to overcome the fact that look, I don't really think that Urban knows exactly what he's doing in the NFL. But when you have a quarterback who's that good and you pick out talent, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, just don't like pick out enough talent and get out of the way, and those guys will make plays for you, right? Like, that may be enough. Okay, so when you write the next book about me, I got the name of the top, I got the name of the book. It's called The Big Goomba. Okay. Oh, yeah. big, yeah, I know I know what the title is. The Big Goomba who survived. The, yeah. the hey, a life right? of survi- a life of survival. That's what you want. <laughs> the big goomba who trips over himself. Yeah, like yeah, like and and almost ended up in a suitcase. Actually two suitcases. <laughs> But we're not going to talk about that. We're not. No, we're not going. Hey, no, no, no. And you know what, too. And by the way, too. You know what? We can always throw the commissioner under the bus with that, too. But we'll leave it there right now, okay? <laughs> Just gonna, we're going to say it's, it's enough. It's, hey, you know we're you know we're good. Hey, we're brothers. Okay, Jace. Thank you so much, brother. Love you, man. Anytime, dude. Be good. You got it, man. Jason Cole, Hall of Fame voter. Wow. Said he's not voting for Steve Tasker for the Hall of Fame. Pretty crazy. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back, National Football Show. Here on the Jacob Media Channel, your boy Dan Cilio. Oh, that was interesting. So did Jason Cole, who is the Pro Football Hall of Fame voter from Bleacher Report, did he change my attitude a little bit on Adam Vinatieri getting into the Hall of Fame? I think he's right on one thing. It's going to depend on who's on the ballot. I'm not going to put a kicker ahead of a guy who's put up enormous numbers at wide receiver, running back, or as a dominant player at a position on the defensive side of the football over a kicker. I'm just not. It really is going to depend on who's on the ballot. Now, do I believe when you leave the game and you're the all-time leading scorer and you have dominated your respected position in the NFL – I think you always have to have that conversation. And, and, and like Jason said, he was put on the main stage numerous times where he had to come through and win football games. I mean, these guys were, I mean, how about this? Let, 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 let's, you go back and you look at Jan Stenerud's um, resume. Jan was on that Super Bowl team with the Chiefs back in the day that won a Super Bowl. He's a foreign player. I'm not sure that played anything into the conversation. 
but he is a guy that was the first special teams guy to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he did have a Super Bowl on his resume. He's an old AFL guy that was part of that with the history of the league, and you're trying to tie the old AFL and the NFL. Those, You know, you can make a story. And that's pretty much when you're being – here, let me just help you out here on what and – and, and I'll give you a little bit behind the curtain. Jason Cole, every time we get close to getting Hall of Fame uh, time and it gets down to the final cut line, Jason, uh, Rick Goslin, um, a bunch of people that are on that committee – will ask me what five guys would you pick from this particular list if you had to pick five guys for the Hall of Fame? And I would put my five guys. It's hard, too, sometimes because there's a lot of Canes guys that are in the conversation. Like Edder and James, I always thought was a pro football Hall of Famer. And I am glad he made it to the Hall of Fame. But if you were to ask me who should have made the Hall of Fame, Edder and James or Reggie Wayne, I would have said more Reggie Wayne was more of an impact on his team than what Edder and James was. I mean, and more significant in the numbers that he put. By the way, I'm saying they're both Hall of Fame guys. But again, I had to be fair. And Edron's going in this year. So good for him. And of course, I love the fact because it represents our school. We've had so many guys over the last 10 years, 20 years, go into the Hall of Fame from our program. From my era and a little bit after my era now, is Vince Wolfert going to be a Hall of Fame candidate? Absolutely. Devin Hester, like like Jason said, it's going to be a close call, but he probably gets in eventually. Reggie Wayne, could Clinton Port, is Andre Johnson, okay? Like I said with Vince Wolfert, Vince Wolfert's going to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Vince has got four Super Bowl rings. I mean, he was part of that defense up in New England. How do you not put uh, Big Vince in? And he was probably one of the only staples that they had up there because they had movable parts on that defensive side of the football. But Big Vince was always – I think Vince may have three. If I had to look back at that, Vince has three. But you got to look at something else. Vince has got three uh, Super Bowls. He's got two national championships too and numerous Pro Bowls. And he was a significant part on that defense. Will he be – see, look, when I look at – Vince, when you see Fletcher Cox at Philadelphia, you think Fletcher Cox is a better player than Vince? I don't know. I think they're compatible. I think those two guys would maybe, – maybe maybe Fletcher's a tad bit better pass rusher, okay, because I, I, he's my favorite defensive tackle. I know everybody likes Aaron Donald, but I don't think Aaron Donald plays the run. But Aaron Donald is going to get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know why? He's got these incredible sack numbers, and he's got TFLs, tackles for losses. And that's how he's going to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to get in because of those, those numbers. But if you look at the defenses that um, Aaron Donald has played on, they give up usually five yards of carry because he doesn't care about the pass rush. He's not a two-way player. Now, look, is the league completely different than it used to be back in the day where you had to worry about being a two-way player? You had to play to run, and you could get up the field and rush the passer. It was a whole different unit back in the day when you were playing defensive tackle. Today, it's all about ear-holing these guys in the backfield, getting TFLs, and also sacking the quarterback. And if you give up 150 yards rushing, nobody cares. You know what? I'll tell you this. Today's NFL, giving up 150 yards rushing <clears throat> is like – it's like a baseball player striking out 135 times. 
you know, when you look at Mike Trout, watch this. Here's Mike Trout's numbers. Ready? Mike Trout, the phenomenal baseball player for the Los Angeles Angels. 315, 325, 39, 40 home runs, 128, 30 RBIs. Those are iconic numbers. You could compare them next to Willie Mays, Barry Bonds. You could put them next to anybody. And he is got the offensive numbers where you would go, man, this guy right here is a modern-day King Griffey Jr. He is just insane great. But then you look down the line and you see 147 strikeouts. You know, that walk of shame in baseball nowadays, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. If you have three strikeouts and you drive in two runs, that's all organizations care about. They don't care about the walk of shame. You know, back in the day, striking out 100 times was a taboo thing, and organizations looked at that and said, wow, this guy strikes out a lot. And most of the time, you know what the guys were doing? They were hitting 207. But these guys that strike out 150 times, these guys are putting up big, giant offensive numbers and big batting averages, okay? That's kind of what the pass rushers are today in the NFL. You don't really care about the run defense any longer, okay? Because most teams don't really – they don't really press the gas pedal anymore when it comes to running a bull. And the teams that do, like Tennessee, those are the teams that usually and absolutely run you over. All right. Hey, look, we're going to be off tomorrow. I want to wish everybody a sensational Memorial Day weekend. I want you to think of all of our great men and women who serve our country. When you see the flag, maybe give her a great salute. Police officers, too, this weekend, our first responders. God, going through this pandemic, how important were they? So I say this to you. Please love the show. Share the show. Go back and watch some of it over the weekend if you missed any of it on the Jacob Media channel. And we can't wait to talk with you on Monday, 4 to 6. And we say this to you. God bless America. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.